Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the CMPU, in association with 898 Authentic Rock and Roll, proudly present the ultimate catalog collab! Hey folks, Corey here from the Ultimate Catalog Clash. Thank you for joining us for part two of our season one finale. We're going to go through our uh, top tens, uh, continue our thoughts on uh, what we think of Genesis, Phil Collins' era Genesis, and season one, answer some more Chaz questions, and finally reveal who won the Ultimate Catalog Clash season one and who is picking the band for season two. Let's join our program already in progress. So what do you guys want to do next? Should we do our tens? Should we do our songs? Do tens, yeah. Oh, the top ten, yes. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I, I kind of sequenced mine in, in the form of like a uh, the, like a mixtape. I would sequence them on a mixtape. I didn't put them like one through ten. I did, and I did Slash one side two of an album. I, I, I arranged them as an album because that's the way I always my brain goes. So, yeah. Okay. D- did you name your mixtapes? Mine's called Genesis, Genesis Mixtape. <laughs> my, mine is called uh, Document One because I didn't name the document. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, why don't we uh, just kind of go back and forth and and go uh, ten to one because we're talking our top ten, right? Not bottom ten. Oh, yeah. These are my top ten, but I sequenced them as I would on a mixtape. They're yeah. not exactly in order. Not in order. Of yeah. Quality. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's just start with the first song each. Then, what'd you pick, Kevin? Mama. I think as an album opener, as a mixtape opener, I just don't know how you... And there's plenty of songs in the Genesis, Genesis catalog. Dancing of Volcano is a great opener. Abacab's a great opener. But Mama, as we talked about on the episode, nothing sounds like that song. In the rock and roll canon, nothing sounds like that song. So I'm always going to go, I think, for Mama. I will also say, I think No Reply at All would have been a good opener for Abacab if they hadn't chosen um, Abacab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got a good start to it. Corey, what was your number one? Well, I, I was tempting uh, to go with something really cool like uh, Behind the Lines or something. My number one is Turn It On Again because that is the ultimate opener. Uh, I, I, I considered Mama there. Uh, to me, Mama, I think, fits better kind of mid-set, uh, kind of middle of the tape. You're, you're, you're transitioning from something big uh, into Mama. You, you want kind of an, an up-tempo, weird-tempo, uh, killer kick-ass song. I went Turn It On Again as my uh, mixtape opener, if you will. Yeah, that is a kick-ass song. And I'm kind of sad I didn't put that in my top five, to be honest, because that is definitely a, a, a favorite. And I remember uh, the, the video on MTV had a lot of live footage. It was the studio track, but it had a lot of live footage in there. And of course, we couldn't just go to YouTube and watch it back then. So it was a long time before I heard a live yeah. version. And honestly, that's a song that they they really lived up to on stage. Yeah, And one of those, again, as a drummer, because it's a weird count. It's a yeah. very, very odd time signature. You, it never comes back in on the one where you think it's going to be right. So, yeah. And, and yeah, just, and such a great song to sing. Like, if you like karaoke, great song to karaoke because it's just high enough that you can, it sounds good, but you can hit it as well, right? It's not a massive, mm-hmm. massive vocal that he's doing. So, yeah. And, and as a drummer, yeah, that is a fun song to play. Yeah. A little challenging, but, but uh, deceptively challenging because it sounds like when you listen to it, it sounds pretty straightforward, but yeah. It is not. And as you said, so do I win? I had the better opener, so I won, right? 
Whoa, 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 whoa. What is this now? What the fuck? I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> Save him an extra slice of pie. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's just go back and forth. So, Corey, what was your number two? I tell you what. Imagine coming out of Turn It On Again, and then you hear the bump, ba dump ba dump right into Land of Confusion. Are you kidding me? That's perfect one-two punch. I win again. Turn it on again, number one. <laughs> Land of Confusion, number two. Perfect. Yeah, Absolutely that, perfect. That, Kevin yeah. can't even compete. I would say, too, one thing that's really interesting I find for myself about Land of Confusion is that is that is a song that could have been the American Pie of Genesis. You could have gone on and on and on and just added yeah. new lyrics and kept that song going for 10 minutes. Yep, and thank God that they didn't, because American Pie shoot me in the face now with a large caliber <laughs> pistol. Dear God, that song goes on. What is what's the album? The album cuts about what seventy eight minutes or something. It's got to be somewhere around there, right? Yeah, and and the fact that people keep playing it is the problem. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, but no, that's a great follow up, Corey. I like that that you're coming out strong with hits too, because sometimes like second song they're already backing off to a new song that people aren't as familiar with, and uh, and you're coming yep. out of the gate just heavy. Blind him and deafen him right off the hop. That was the Brian May way of uh, uh, making a set list, right? Yeah. Hit him hard with the first few songs. So, yeah. Yep. So, uh, what, what do you got, Kevin, for number two following up Mama? So, Mama, first off, and we, of course, we're going we're gonna to go with the album, or sort of the, the live ending of Mama, which we get a big, sort of big rock ending. And then to come back in, and I'll do what Corey did. Bang, bang. Bank bottom, home by the sea. That's too and, early. That's too early. And too second early. home by the sea. No, 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 no. Too early. This is my bloody mixtape. You get your own mixtape. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at this like a concert, right? So if, if you're looking at a set list, you're coming at home by the sea, you're, you're putting that like fifth. Oh, no. I've got I got tricks up my sleeve to come, Corey. we got we got oh more God. drama to come further Terrible. down the set list, but Mama into Home by the Sea. It's actually my my actual playlist. That's how it starts. So <laughs> You can't see this, but Corey's writing up your Yelp review right now. That's right. <laughs> Two stars. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit sandwich. So, like, what? So what you would can't you print follow- that. You can't say that, can they? <laughs> you can't print that. What would you follow that up with, Kevin? You might as well just Why- go home at that point. That's terrible. <laughs> for for those that are still in the theater. I dropped it back off. And I wanted to bring a bit of drama and a bit of theatre, but again, more th- drama and theatre into a trick of the tale, because it's a song that I love. Corey wasn't a huge fan, I remember, of the lyrics, mm-hmm. um, but that's a song that's always been very special to me. And I do, and I think also it's a very good song. It's, it's constructed well, it's played well. It's, the, the parts are really good. I think the lyrics are really cool. Um, so I'm going to trick of the tale is my sort of anchor point on side one of my discs. So. Hmm. Okay. How about you, Corey? What are you following so that- up Mama with? Well, it wasn't Mama. It was Land of Confusion. Remember, oh, I'm, I'm doing sorry, the good one. Kevin's doing the bad one. Yeah. So, and uh, Kevin cheated and put two songs in one spot. Uh, I will cheat later on uh, in my mixtape. <laughs> but uh, for my third song, I went Jesus, He Knows Me. I wanted to go a little lighter, right? Still up tempo. You got to still be up tempo. The first three songs have to be up tempo. So I went up tempo. Jesus, He Knows Me. I love the lyrical message of that song. Uh, musically, it's very light and bright and happy and poppy. So, uh, number three, Jesus, he knows me. I win again. Where's my prize? I should get a plaque or something for kicking Kevin's ass this bad. Oh yeah, it's really, it's really light. You know, talking about the way that corporate religion screws over the uh, the poor and the the, the feeble minded. Yeah, real light there, Corey. Really light. Well, I gotta tell you, there, you know? I, I left the mama fucker song till later in the set. I was smart <laughs> enough to do that. <laughs> Wait till he gets to the song where the snowman kills a guy. Uh-oh. Uh, 
All right. So what do you follow that up with then, Corey? All right. Number four, uh, it's a perfect time to put in a ballad. You got to put in a slow song. I went in too deep off of Invisible Touch. Uh, so many great ballads. Um, you know, I could have went Follow You, Follow Me, which actually didn't make uh, my list. And I'm kind of heartbroken it didn't. I went in too deep. It, it's the perfect kind of counterpunch to Jesus. He knows me. I went again. God, I'm killing you, Kevin. You got to be feeling bad about this. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I, I dozed off there. So in too deep. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> that is a very, that's bringing it way down. That's a that's a very mellow ballad. That's too much. It's too much. It's too much. But I would say by song four for the audience to bring out the lighters and and do the swaying mm-hmm. back and forth thing. Uh, not not too bad. Not too bad. How about you, Kevin? Where do you uh, where are you at next? Well, about the th- first three or four minutes of my next song. You can sway to, and the lighters come out. It drops, the, it drops the mood back down, and we're going to drive the last spike. So we're driving the last spike from We Can't Dance. Fuck I off. Think These are my fucking songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant. I think it's that great transition out of Trick of the Tale. Let's bring it back on and get into sort of a more a story piece, a bit more of a narrative. So Thank God I don't have to listen to your mixtape. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to send him your Spotify playlist this, after the podcast. This this mixtape will expose the differences in what we love about the Genesis catalog. Already, I'm like, because we'd said before we got online, we thought there might be about four. I thought maybe about three or four we've got the same. I'm not confident there's going to be two now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far, it's just Mama. That's That's been it. Yeah. I haven't even and told you where Mama ranks on where Mama's going to you know slot in on mine yet. Yeah, he's going to be there though. It's going to be the encore for Corey, isn't it? Just like you yeah. know, no. Yeah, I would say though that would make a good pre-show walk-on if you took uh, you know a little bit of the the cackle at the beginning of it and put a beat to it and and kind of remixed it a little bit. That would be a cool thing to walk out on stage to and set the tone for the show and then maybe go into something else and then bring back mama a little it's bit too later. Dark. I, I tell you, the, the edible song you got to put in the, no, no, you got to put that in the middle of the set. And okay. actually, okay, I'm going to ruin it. Mama's my number five. You come out of in too deep, you do the ballad and then you have that. Oh, come on. And the red lights come up. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Mama number five. That's how you sequence, Kevin. You don't put fucking driving the last spike that close to home and second home by the sea. You just don't do it. No, you don't do it. Okay. But I'm going I'm no, to. Normal I'm, people I'm, don't do I'm it. I'm not letting this go for a minute, though, because we've all been in arenas when everyone's waiting for the band to come out and they're playing, you know, and, and, and if you go see an Iron Maiden, we know that they've got a song that they play, and that's because mm-hmm. that bumps up a little bit and everyone gets excited. When the yeah. lights drop in an arena, that's a really great moment because everyone focuses, everyone's looking at the stage. I think that if you hear boom, 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 and like you said, Scott, you could play that and elongate it. You get the lights going and get the smoke up and you get the, the just the atmosphere and the, and the tenseness in the, in the arena when that and the lights go up. I don't know, man. I think theatrically that is a, an absolute golden, golden opener, Corey. Turn it on. Yep. Again. I will say this. Turn it on again. I'll offer you an olive branch. I think turn it on again is a fantastic opener. I just don't think it's theatrically as good as Mama. So. And that's why you don't open with it. That's why you come out of the ballad with something like that. Right, you got to earn the audience's goodwill. You got to give them something big and up tempo right off the hop. You're, you're opening with "Tie Your Mother Down." You're opening with "We Will Rock You," the fast version. You're not opening with "Fucking a Kind of Magic" or anything like that, right? You got to you got to work to that. Just out of curiosity, on on the um, the Shapes album on Genesis, Genesis, what's the what's the lead what's the lead track on that? 
album, Corey? Do you remember offhand? Albums are different than concerts. I'm looking at this I as a together, concert I'm experience. I'm putting together a side one, side two. Yeah, this, you know. You're, you're, you're putting together a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> well, my steaming pile of shit. On with, side with some one, of my favorite songs. Track, the, the closing track is <laughs> Land of Confusion. Okay, that's not that. that I think the end of Land of Confusion. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. That's a great end. That's a wonderful end. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that that that's not bad. I still and, like and it better Steven, coming out of Turn It On Again. Yeah, I, I like the energy of Land of Confusion. It's it's kind of hard to not want to just put that anywhere in, in the list because yeah. if you want to yeah. bring them back up after a ballad, it's a perfect song. If you want to yeah. end on a high note, that's a perfect song. I mean, you could start the show with that and it would be fantastic. You could end the show on that too. Yeah. You could put that anywhere. I think uh, one, one through 10, Kevin, I yeah. think it would have been good. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. So I have no idea where we're at now because Corey jumped ahead. Kevin, you're <laughs> your uh, next pick. We've both done five. So I've finished yeah. off my side one. We're, we're both at five now. So I opened side two with my album, not my fucking So you have to flip the audience over. Yeah. So we've got, we got to flip it. I'm going to open with Duchess because, I mean, and it was difficult because it was a choice between Duchess and Turn It On Again. Again, they, you know, well, Duchess doesn't open Duke, but it should have done. Um, but it's just such a great build in that song. I love that intro where you're, okay, well, this is going on a bit. I wonder where it's going. And then when it tells the story about this aging theater star who her career sort of ebbs and flows and then just dies away, I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant piece of music. And as an opener, I love that facade too, because we finished with Land of Confusion, turn it over, let's drop the mood again, let's get that dynamic in, the, in this, the flow of these songs. So, hmm. I, I, I love the song. I don't love where you put it. I, I think if you had to put it like seventh, I think it would have been better. I don't know if it's an opener. I think it's right after an opener. But Duchess is a great tune, and that's one that really kind of jumped out at me. Uh, it, it made my possibles list, but it didn't make my list. My number six, actually, and I, I can't wait to see Kevin's reaction to this. It's just a job to do from from Shapes, from 83. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I, I want to pick a really obscure uh, kind of deep cut album track. And it came between that and uh, anything she does from Invisible Touch. And I just like just a job to do that much more. And I thought if that kicked off like side two of a mixtape or if that came after Mama uh, in a concert, I, I yeah. think that's perfect sequencing. Was that when they played live? I don't yes. think they ever did. Did well, they? Did they not? Didn't they not? Oh, geez. We'll have to look that up. I'm not uh, sure. Because I, I don't recall that. I'll talk. Okay. Having a, uh, a, big, uh, a big number from when you did the show, but, uh, you know. Oh, it was, one ranked, time, it, was, it was ranked really high for me. Um, mine was, mine was 10, 10 and 4.5 for that one, because it's a brilliant, brilliant song. I just, for me in the, with, with the other songs that I've picked and with the sort of the flow that I was trying to get with this set list or this playlist, it just wasn't quite the right song, but man, phenomenal song. And I'm so glad that you picked it. Well, some songs don't necessarily translate to the stage either. They might be great in the studio, but to pull them off live, they might just not have the same life. They might not fit in well with the other songs. There's a lot to consider when when you're choosing what you're going to perform. Um, what's your next one, Kevin? Next up for me is Dodo Lurker. Because it's one of about three songs that if I went to see Genesis and they didn't do it, I would be absolutely gutted. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, again, I mean, like you said, I mean, for the, for the drum part alone, it's exceptional. I think the lyric is brilliant and it's got that little you know the lewis carroll thing in the you know the whatever the riddle was you know the mm-hmm. two 
well, I can't remember the riddle is, but it's, it's like, why is a raven like a writing desk? Tony Braxton, there's no answer to it. I just threw it in yeah. there. It doesn't mean anything. I love that sort of abstract, nonsensical bit of it. Um, I love the change um, when it goes to... And we talked about Tony Banks with his keyboard tones. Mm-hmm. You couldn't put that specific keyboard tone in any other song. Yeah. But when it's the voice of this creature, it just is so expressive and it, and it tells a story that lyrics don't need. So Dodo Lurker is the second uh, track on side two for me, number seven. Okay, but imagine you're Phil Collins. That is a kick-ass song to be playing on drums and someone else is going to play it. Does he does he go back to drums on that? Because he can't sing and play that at the same time. Don't forget, Scott, that he had Chester Thompson, who is a pretty fucking badass drummer. Well, yeah, but you're not you're not you're Phil Collins and you're not playing drums on that song. You're missing out. Yeah, that's a hard one to not go. All right. I'm going to find a way to do this. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about this song real quick, though, because I had read years ago what the answer to the riddle was. Yeah. And I know that Tony Banks said that there was no answer, but I don't know that he wasn't being a bit cheeky in in that moment. You know, he's a lot of the British guys, when you talk to them, especially if they're not good interviewers, they'll, they'll just throw out things. So I don't really know. I always thought the answer to the riddle was a submarine. And then when you guys covered it, you said that there was a song in that suite called submarine, which I found very interesting because it actually fits even though yeah. we don't have an official answer, it, it does fit. I'm just trying to find the lyrics here. Um, where is it? Starts with close the brass. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I can't find it's not on, it's on Google. Okay, I'm gonna say uh, You're just trying to give Corey something to edit. Close the brass. I'm not cutting this out. I, I am not cutting this out. You can sit close there the, and fucking close twist the, the brass. Movie. Hair of brown, seldom need to breathe, don't need no wings to fly, and a heart of stone, and a fear of fire and water, who am I? So, Submarine, I mean, I, I kind of tend to go with Tony Banks, and I, I, I don't know, man, I, I think that it's one of those things that you can, it's like a backronym, right? It's like, um, oh, what's a good backronym that, I, again, is just completely, you know, when you say something, you think, oh, this will be a good point, and then as immediately as you've said it, the thought just goes out of your head. Well, fuck, right? From, from Van Halen. Fuck, it's, oh, it's foreign lawful carnal knowledge. Well, it wasn't. That's just what people said afterwards because it fits. I think that this is one of those where it's like, oh, close of brass, yeah, hair of brass. Well, close of brass, you've got to do a bit of a stretch. Brass fittings used for resistance to erosion. Well, yeah, but most of a submarine is not brass. Hair mm. of brown, seed we caught around the upper half of the submarine. It's brown and it's green. Seldom need to breathe. I, I don't know. Like, I think, it, I think it's one of those where it's a very clever sort of backfilling of, of, the, of the riddle. So... I, I, I actually found fair. a quote. Uh, uh, Scott loves it when I find quotes. I found <laughs> yeah. a quote from Tony Banks about it. Here's exactly what he said about Dodo Lurker. He said, quote, I'm afraid I have to say really that there is no real solution. You can search uh, for your own one if you like. It was a bit of a joke. When I was writing it, I honestly didn't really have a specific idea in mind. If you find out what the answer is, perhaps you could tell me. <laughs> well, and in all fairness, they never said it was a riddle. No. Yeah. No. That's true. So, you know, it's, but it's, but when you say, what am I? Yeah. That's kind of a riddle, Yeah, but they, but they didn't say like in interviews or anything that this song is a riddle. We want you to solve it. Or, I mean, it never promoted that way, although it easily could have been had there actually been an answer, but I think you're, you're right, Kevin. I think it's a matter of finding things that fit well enough to where you're satisfied with an answer versus there actually being an answer. So the answer is a submarine. 
But, but and you know, <laughs> human beings do this all the time. We like patterns. Yeah. That's why that's why we see the the sun come up and the moon come up and the the tides come in and decide that there must be a god controlling all this. Because without uh, without a full understanding of the tidal forces and the, the you know the rotation of the planets, we're just going to make a bunch of assumptions. You know, we're very good at pattern recognition, is what I'm saying. So. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's a little bit of uh, the the word version of pareidolia, where you can look at a cloud and go, "Oh, that's a horse," or "That's a rabbit yeah. playing with a you know a, a carrot or whatever." Yeah. And um, we tend to want things to make sense and fit, and our brains will find a way to do that. But I I found it fascinating that there was a song called yeah. "Submarine" that was part of that. So maybe there was a little bit of subconscious. Yeah. Uh, from from the part of uh, uh, of Tony Banks when he was writing it too. Could well be, yeah. Yeah. So what's your next one, Corey? Are, are you guys done blowing Dodo Lurker now? I could talk about my number seven. I can't blow I mean, an extinct bird. <laughs> I tell you, uh, I, I love Dodo Lurker as a song. It did not make uh, my top 10. My number seven, I went with throwing it all away. Another oh, kind of mid-tempo-ish uh, song. You're coming off just a job to do. Uh, it's kind of a nice uh, palate cleanser, I think, leading into the big uh, ending that I have planned here for for my uh, mixtape. So I went throwing it all away. It's one of my favorite songs. So. You, you, you're, you're going yeah. for a panty dropper set list here, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. You I like the ladies. Eye on the ladies. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like you have to do that song, right? I mean, that just that that is designed to be performed on a stage. Yeah. And with the popularity of that, I don't know how you don't do it, even though if it's Kevin, a, Kevin might not have it. If it's a concert, you got the call and response uh, aspect yeah. of it. So, yeah, it, it's a perfect spot. Number seven there for me. Yeah, and I mean, and was, a good break for the band, too. Yep. Yeah. Bill can just kind of play off the audience. Yeah. And that's what he did. Mm -hmm. That was the, that was the one of the audience interaction points in the show was was throwing it all away. Um, I will say that it, it, it didn't make my 10, and it was the hardest one to not throw on there. Oh, yeah. by by far. Yeah. What's your next one then? I went follow like a similar sign of idea to let's let's bring this and I went follow you follow me because mm -hmm. for this for a similar reason that I just think that is such a beautiful beautiful song. It's really a, is. and it's there's really a, a and you've had him on your podcast um your Van Halen podcast Corey Ivan Anderson from Cyberattack when he was on the Tom Petty show he he came up with this this term for and it was the song listen to my uh, listen to her heart by Tom Petty and he called it a little song. It's not a grand idea. It's this. It's almost like a little, very specific love letter to a certain person. And follow you, follow me is the same thing for me. It's a very small little song, but it's beautiful. It's short, you know. It, but it's got like a really cool couple of couple of different cool sections in it. Tony plays a beautiful keyboard part in that song. Phil sings it beautifully. So I think that will be that same kind of idea, right? And maybe Corey, we're both doing the same thing here. Maybe this is where it's, you know eight nine o'clock on a summer night and it's dusk and so the lights are going to start to go down now before we start getting back into the big push let's just let the audience get a breather and maybe just have a bit of a uh, bit of respite yeah I, I would say that's a song they could extend a little bit on stage too if they wanted to and and you know if the audience is really into it they could drag that one out for a little bit and uh make it a bigger song i like that term little song it's a really useful one it's something i've really latched onto because i've never really thought about that about songs in that way where you know, something like Innuendo by Queen is a is a massive epic thing. We talked about, you know, Dodo Lurk is a, it's, that's a big, it's a sprawling kind it's of epic. song. Yeah. Follow You, Follow Me. And um, into, they're small songs. They're just little, just a little snapshot. It's a little love letter. It's a little statement. Or it's just a really useful kind of way of thinking about songs sometimes, I think. Very interesting. So what is your follow-up to that? 
I think it's you next, right, Corey? Did you do yours? Yeah. Did, do do oh, I get sorry, to do my to... list, Scott? Like, there's fucking two of us on this show. <laughs> well, I was going back and forth with, with follow-ups. But, uh, okay, no, you're uh, just... Corey, Corey, since you're still here. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> ever, since, ever since uh, Kevin started blowing the dodo, it's like, oh, Kevin, what do you got next? Kevin, Kevin, it's all about you, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. We've got to decide what gotta... blowing the dodo means. It's a euphemism for something, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Kevin, I want that to be our, our our Genesis our Genesis tribute. Al, uh, ben needs to be called blown. The dodo. The dodo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to say, follow you, follow me was my hardest uh, cut. Yeah. From the mm-hmm. tape, I gave it a nine nine four and a half uh, when we ranked it, and I'd love to have put it on there, but I didn't. Uh, so I, I'm coming out of throwing it all away, and and this is kind of like if I, this is a concert, this is the uh, end of the show before the encore. I went with I can't dance. Because, mm-hmm. and I love that song. Uh, it's a great fun song. They get to interact with the crowd a little bit. They do the goofy walk. You get Mike with the guitar and that great riff. Tony gets to play his little fucking plinky plinky sounds on the keyboard. To me, it, it kind of ends the main set uh, perfectly. And it comes out of throwing it all the way nicely. I went, I can't dance. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with that for if it, if it were me. And the only reason is, when you're doing those kind of theatrics, like the the walk and all of that, which I, I'm assuming that at least Phil and Mike would have done that on stage. Tony's a little stuck, you know, behind his keyboards. But um, I don't know. I feel like you need to, to end the show on a heavier note, something with well, a little more power. Like I, I remember, would I'm, I'm not ending the show. I'm just ending the the kind of main set. This is a hit. Uh, it was oh yeah, true. Song. This is maybe where I would have put Invisible Touch. Had the uh, electronic drums had not bothered me, this would have been a perfect place for it. But uh, just how we were ranking songs, uh, I, I put We Can't Dance a little bit ahead of Invisible Touch. So that's why it's here. But it's not ending the show. It's just ending kind of this portion of the show. They're going to come out uh, for the encore. And let me tell you, they're going to melt some faces because the next song coming out, number nine, is Domino. Uh, both uh, in the glow of the night and the last Domino. To me, that that's the perfect way you're going to kick off kind of the encore, right? You're going to come out, you're going to do a 10 minute epic. Uh, Domino is their best long song, in my opinion. So I, I put that there. Was that a hit? Uh, no, not really. No, no. no. Hmm. But it's a, but it's also but it was a live staple and a fan favorite. And another song that I would say that if I go to a Genesis concert and they don't do Domino, I'm pretty disappointed. Yep. And this thought- was either Domino or Home and Second Home by the Sea. I love them both. Uh, ultimately, Domino by just just a hair, I think, got it for me. And it was in my ninth spot as well. So you put it in nine. I've got it in nine as well. Um, (laughs) And both parts as well, because it's just got to be in the set list. And and again, they played it live pretty much every time they toured. Every every single, you know, show after Invisible Touch was released. And it was, it's just a crowd favorite. It's because it's that drop, right? It's that when you get that sort of that, that almost that siren sort of keyboard tone and there's when that kicks off and the lights go and then you do the woo, woo, woo. It's all, I mean, the crowd just goes fucking ape shit at that point, as you would do, of course. Right. Sure. And I think of course, like I said, if you're doing that in a live show, that's when the lights have dropped. Now you can, now you can really get the light show going in the smoke on stage and the, the red and the orange and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's so badass when they do it. Hmm. Very interesting. What did we miss one for you, Kevin, or? Nope. We have the same number nine. We've got the same number nine. Right. We've done nine yeah, each okay. now, yeah, but Corey's got two left. That's right. That's right. Yep. Because I right. cheated a bit, kind of like Kevin did. Yes. <laughs> you want me to tell you my 10 why don't, why, don't you, why don't you go ahead, Corey? My, my last song kind of proper is Ripples. I, I think that is just... Oh, wow. I, I, yeah. Uh, very introspective. But but uh, to, to me, it just kind of closes things off nicely. And then to me, and then it kind of leads into my instrumental 
to end the show, which is Los Endos. So I, I think the Ripples Los Endos is kind of a perfect way to end a mixtape or a concert for that matter. So that that was my ten slash eleven because I snuck a little instrumental on the end there. Yeah. I could I could easily get behind that. I think that's a great way to end the show, for sure. How about you, Kevin? Well, first off, though, I'm just utterly delighted that Ripples and Los Endos are now in Corey's orbit because I I don't think they were. Well, maybe Los Endos because you've seen that one on little bit, little bit, yeah. But Ripples, yeah. I don't think before. So that's so yeah. satisfying, right? When someone discovers a song that they love enough to put it on their on their mixtape. Fantastic. I, I think, I, I hope you would be able to guess what my 10th song is, Corey, because we talked about it being my favorite Genesis song. What am I closing my concert with? Do you know? Do you remember? Oh, f- fuck. You had so many that you said were your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Snowbound. It, it's not Snowbound. It's it not is Snowbound. not Snowbound. Is it from We Can't Dance? It is from We Can't Dance. I can't remember the track, though. I just remember it was from that record. <laughs> Fading Lights. Fading Lights, that's it, the one. Again, yeah. that's the, again another song that... And I love the... Perfect ending, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the fade out is just so good. Um, and I think coming out of Domino, where you think that you might get like a, a littler song or like a bit of respite, I think going back into Fading Lights would just be, again, for me... And it, my... 10 is definitely loaded with okay i've got home second home and second home by the sea driving the last spike domino and fading lights and dodo lurkers quite long but i just i like the longer genesis songs right so i had to pick it it had to be in last this is the only place it could be i tell you what I even think- though i kicked your ass at, at this little assignment that is a great way to end it i love fading lights good call <laughs> what was sorry, think- what was your what was your number five Corey? because I, I, I was writing them down i was going to i want to make a set list but or a playlist well, my number five was mama mama okay yeah yeah. Okay. Right I in the middle. That's where you put the atmospheric song. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fascinating that you guys didn't go more hits. No Abacab, no no reply at all. Yeah. No, no Abacab was a tough cut. Yeah, all yeah. of those were, were tough cuts. Like my, my original list uh, was like 25 songs. Yeah. And yeah, Abacab, like Abacab is one of my favorite tunes. I, I ranked it nine, eight, and three. And I'm like, well, I got songs ranked higher than that that yeah. I got to give more uh, credence to, but uh, there's something about that track that just gets stuck in my head and I just love the fuck out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's just a great song. It's got a lot of tone to it, you know, and it yeah. moves. There's, there's always different things happening, even if they're repeating the call and response. It's just, there's something, something here, something there, something here, something there. It's, yeah. it's a great track. Um, that was the first track I heard from them. So that was my introduction to Genesis when, yeah. when that came out. Uh, but it's interesting because you really have to balance hits with album tracks right and if you're talking if you're specifically thinking about doing live you have to think of songs that will go well on a stage songs that the crowd might already be familiar with Uh, you don't want to do too many unfamiliar songs on on a set list it's a tough balance and the the more albums you have and especially with them because they got more and more successful as they went on yeah it's so difficult to find that balance well, I mean, you know, I've, I've looked down the list of some of the ones that I really, really rated and struggled to take off. Los Endos is on my list as well, Corey. Um, Jesus He Knows Me is on my list, throwing it all away is on my list. Into Deep is on my list. Just a Job to Do is on my list. But so is Keep It Dark and Abacab. So is Duke's Travels and Duke's End as a piece. is phenomenal. Turn It On Again. I think did you had that one on your... Did you have... Oh, I did. You, I opened you did, with Turn It On Again. Yeah, yeah. Turn It On Again. I think Down and Out and All in the Mouse's Night, I know that we quibbled a little bit on, on All in the Mouse's <laughs> Night, but another brilliant piece of And Dreaming While You Sleep, I know that 
there are specific reasons why you didn't love it. But Living Forever from We Can't Dance is another mm-hmm. fantastic song. So there are a lot of songs there that I could have gone with. The way I wanted to look at this and put this together, I put it together as something that I want to listen to. Not necessarily, because I would probably wouldn't put more than three of the songs on here if I was putting a, you know, here's 10 songs to get you into Genesis. I probably wouldn't put most of these songs on there. But for a set, for a playlist that I will listen to and have as a playlist now and have listened to, I think, yeah, that makes Kev happy. Uh, I get that. I did the same thing, and that's yeah. why, like, I had Dodo on my list. It didn't quite make it. Yeah. Abacab was on my list. Follow you, follow me was on my list. Uh, home and second home by the sea definitely on my list. Like I said I was all night, all day. I'm, I'm I was in Cornac shooting a, a thing today, and it's a two hour drive there, two hour drive back the whole way. And I'm listening to Genesis. Like, is it Domino? Is it Home and Second Home? And yeah. Back and forth, back and forth, and Domino just got it by a hair. But so many great songs, and uh, I absolutely kicked your ass at this little assignment. I'm glad you picked <laughs> the, the the order that you like. Uh, no one else will. Uh, if you put this in Spotify playlists, I guarantee you my list is getting much more listens than yours. So. We have an assignment for you, Scott. Okay. Well, you know, because not you Scott. No, fuck. Scott doesn't like <laughs> no, good no, no, music. No, 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 he no, likes no. the movie. No, you, you, have, you have so much free time that what you got to do is you got to go back on the playlist before season two. You got to come back and tell us which of this playlist is better. Oh, fuck after you've, had, no, no, after no. you've had about six or seven months to listen to them. Okay. Yeah, I could do that. We can we can make that the season. You put Toto Lurker. He's gonna pick you, you bastard. What can I say? Well, I got taste. <laughs> but you know, I, I realized something too. Turn it on again, metaphorically, is a great opener. That's like Metallica yes. opening with "Hit the Lights." Exactly, exactly. I I thought that same thing. Right, that's a perfect opener. Yeah, yeah. I mean, musically it works, but also metaphorically, I like that. Yeah. Uh, before we forget, I think it's important to ask. And uh, let's see, we'll have uh, we'll have Corey go first this time. What album features the track Mama? Chaz wants to know. Oh, fuck. I have no idea. I think, I think it's the album known as Shapes. It's the self-titled album Genesis released in 1983. And you would be right. Holy shit. You would be right. I can't believe it. Now, now see, it sounds like a simple question for guys who have just covered all of these <laughs> albums. But you know what? Honestly, this stuff gets jumbled. After yeah. a while, you you know the songs, but their placement oh, yeah. necessarily you don't you don't always know. Um, so, Kevin, uh, in which country did Genesis not perform during the Invisible Touch tour? An equally easy question. <laughs> I'm glad you got that, and I got <laughs> that is well, so I mean, great. There's fucking laws, Vatican City. I mean, what? <laughs> Can you narrow it? I don't know. Are you sure? Give me an A, B, or C. Like, give me, give Are me you sure they didn't play Vatican goes. City? Yeah. Genesis bloody absolutely sure. Vatican City. Okay. <laughs> Swana. The, Papal Swana. Sea, <laughs> the Papal Sea will never be the same. St. Peter's Basilica <laughs> is still trashed. Uh, okay, well, I, I will say it is a country that is not in the United in North America. It's oh, either it down. it's either Peru, Russia, or China. Holy fuck! So they did play one of those. Wow. Okay. I don't know if they. I've narrowed it down to two. You can use a lifeline that we don't have any lifelines, though. <laughs> yeah, Scott could just make up the rules well, as he goes. He's hosting. This, this, ask this your is, cat. Or... This is actually a really good question. I ask don't, your cat. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, Eli. I didn't think that they would have played Peru. I, 
Peru, it might, this one might be one where Peru's the obvious one that they did, but I don't know whether they played South America. But I don't think Genesis ever toured China. I'm going to say China. I don't know you if they ever played right. Russia. Oh, you would be right. I uh, know that there was a, I actually had this question recently because I was told that Uriah Heep was the band that broke Russia. But there was a, in the 50s, a rock act that played Russia, but they, they weren't like a modern rock band. Like once, yeah. once, if you consider rock really starting with like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, and you're really talking late 60s, early 70s, then it would be Uriah Heep. But there was a rock act that had played Russia prior to that. Uh, but no, China. China. But I would also argue that Vatican City is a fair answer to, yeah. to yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, Vanu- Vanuatu. <laughs> <laughs> Samoa. Like, there's a yeah. million countries I could go. <laughs> Afghanistan, you know. To Nuska Forest. I'm pretty sure that no one's ever played there. <laughs> um, so, Corey, who wrote the lyrics for the song Land of Confusion? Mike Rutherford. And? And that's it? Nope. No? Yeah. Mm, Yeah, because they only... Each... Each each writer took songs... I'll I'll say say Mike and Phil. No, it was not a member of Genesis. Oh. Well, I don't know who the fuck Mike hangs around with. No, this is the world according to chat. So uh, yeah. these are not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's up is down, black is white. We have no <laughs> fucking start, clue. Let's start. Billy Joel. <laughs> uh, well, you David all Bowie. Know, you all know and love him, B. A. Robertson. Of course. You're B. A. Uh, okay. Robertson. Yeah. He's Best friend in the world. Yeah. As far as I know, he is not crediting on the album because from, I think it was Genesis on, right, Corey? Were they? All the songs were written by Genesis, but we know by who all the three. lyricist was. Exactly. I'm 95% yeah. that you're right that it's Mark Rutherford. Yeah. Well, let's see Again. who's credited to. I actually think we should just keep getting Chaz to write the questions for us, because these are but then we more, have to more not, fun not than guess, the most of the <laughs> But now we have to think not like in terms of facts, but in terms of Chaz. <laughs> like, what color is the sky in your world? Like, pink? I don't know. Like, fuck, he's Chaz, right? <laughs> In all fairness, Chaz was only given a very short time to come up That's with. That's true. Uh, I threw this at Chaz very short notice. Yeah, and we you know honestly, if he does listen, very much. If, yeah, if he does listen to this, thanks so much, Chaz. It's it's amazing. We're just ragging. So, I got to, it's, you know, it's been ninety minutes. Can we announce who won this fucking season already? Like, we're, come on, we're almost there. We got two more questions. Oh my god, Corey. two They're more. Okay. Life. Well, we're going to assume I got that one right because I know Mike Rutherford wrote the lyrics for Land of Confusion. I have I no idea who B.A. Baracus was on the A-team. I, that's all I know. And he was afraid to fly. That's right. Uh, Kevin, which Genesis album featured the iconic song... What? <laughs> I, I don't know that song. <laughs> Even what? Scott's thrown now. <laughs> In the air tonight. <laughs> it wasn't on a Genesis album. It was on oh, face Chaz. value by Phil Collins. So I think I think I can explain the other questions now. I think he was trying to be deceptively cheeky. Oh, which iconic? Okay, Chaz. here's a question for you, Scott. Which iconic Genesis album had the song "Sledgehammer"? 
Well, that would be a Peter Gabriel album, which he, he won massive awards for that that uh, stop animation video, which was quite incredible. So... Well deserved. Well deserved. <laughs> so our last question, and remember, the points don't matter. <laughs> Because neither did the questions. What, exactly. What was the highest charting single from the album Invisible Touch? Where? UK or US? Yeah. Oh, that's a fair point. He does not say. We'll, we'll go with US since we all live in North America. Okay. Some of us more North than others. I, I think we talked about this. Wasn't it Tonight, Tonight, Tonight? Because we were kind of surprised that it was, it was that high. I think Tonight, Tonight, Tonight hit number four. Did Invisible Touch hit number one? I'm going to go Invisible I, Touch. I think that would hit number one. I think Kevin. also Invisible Touch, I think, yeah, because there were five top five singles from right. the which was the first time it had ever, ever happened on the Billboard chart. Yeah. Which but is I think fucking it is Invisible phenomenal, touch. by the way. I Absolutely. Mean, why, that's incredible. Uh, no it is kidding. Invisible Touch. You're both right. Invisible so touch you're both the yet. winner. You can both pick the next band. <laughs> no, that's not how we're picking the next band. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Chaz. That was, uh, that was actually yes. pretty cool. That was very um, entertaining. <laughs> okay. So you both picked the song, Turn It On Again. Oh, for okay. that for, uh, first tiebreaker. The original, how we're going to pick, right, is going to be, which is going to be the highest rated song. Yeah. I went Turn It On Again. Yeah. Right. And you and, did too. And, wow. And we decided Price is Right rules. Is that right? That's right. So it has to be closest to. The actual number of 87.5. 88.5 was Invisible Touch. 88.5, thank you, yeah. yes. I knew that was wrong. 88.5 is Invisible Touch. Okay, well then I have to ask you, Corey, who's the next band? Yay! I knew it because I picked 88. <laughs> let, me, well, let me tell you, pick? though. What did I pick, let me, let me tell you how close it was. And, and I was really excited for a second when you had it wrong. Because Kevin picked 87%. So had it oh. been 87.5, you two wow. would have literally been split down the middle. Wow. Not physically, <laughs> but, you know. Well done, Corey. That's very crazy. well done, sir. Thank you. But it was you. very close. Very, very close, I have to say. So who's, uh, who's the next band that you're going to cover on season two? Well, I got to tell you, I've been going back and forth. I gave uh, Kevin earlier a list of like 25 bands. I said, this is who I'm considering. <laughs> And, and you why know, is I, it I just, Dream Theater? <laughs> it, it's not Dream Theater. Then I thought, you know, maybe I'm going to pick a year. Maybe I'm going to pick like 1991, and we each have to pick like three albums from that year and decide who's the best. But I didn't go that route for this season. I thought, you know, that, that's like a season four, season five type thing. So I did pick a band, but this is a band that has different eras. So I thought, I'm going to leave this kind of up to Kevin. I'm going to give Kevin the choice. Kevin, you're going to pick a number between one and three. Pick number one, pick number two, pick number three, whichever way you're oh. thinking. And that's going to correlate to which era of this particular band we're going to cover in season two. Okay, so this and, is a and, band and with three ears. That's right. And it's really oh. interesting because you have no clue what you're picking. So the numbers are completely irrelevant. But I want right. you to kind of stew in the juices of what, what number to pick. You should have okay, you well, should have brought some uh, Jeopardy theme music, Corey, to the show. That would have been perfect right about now. I know. I, I don't have this I on mean, here. I'm sorry. I mean, if all right, your you know, price if, is right, guy. I, I, <laughs> if I was if I was guessing that you know if if I pick three, maybe it's apologies to Gary, but it can't be that because Corey's not done the Van Halen catalog yet, so I'm not going to go with That's that. That's right. That's right. I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think I might know who the band is. Okay. So I'm going to pick the number, and then if that's right, then I'll. Reveal who the, I'll, you know what, I'm going to send, I'm going to send, 
Scott a message quickly. Because if I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm going to be completely wrong on this, but if I am right, it's a good call. That's well, I tell I you what, is. you're going to give me a number and I'm going to play a song. Okay. And that's going to tip off what band it is and what area it is. So, number two. You just got to tell me one, two, or three. You're picking number two? Yeah. Ooh, interesting. All right. Th- this is Let's Make a Deal now. Do you want to? Do you want to go with number two, or do you want to trade for what's in the box? I want number two, Corey. All right, well then, this is the band. Fuck. That's right. We're going Metallica, <laughs> and you picked number two, so we're going 90s Metallica. Okay. So you got Metallica, the Black Album, you got Load, and you got Reload. Only three albums? That's right. I picked the right era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had you picked number one, it would have been uh, Kill 'em All, uh, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, and, and Justice for All. And then number three, obviously, would have been uh, uh, Death Magnetic and On. So they've only done 11 albums in 40 years. Yeah, lazy bastards. <laughs> oh, I'm excited though. You're gonna listen to some Metallica, aren't you? Happy? Honestly. Yeah, kind of. I think it'll be good. This is this is one of the biggest albums of all time. And I'll give you a hint of who Kevin thought it was going to, who he thought he was choosing. Uh, they okay. have a Vegas residency, residency right now at the Sphere. Oh, you too. And I thought you maybe too you was too, yeah. <laughs> and you know they have like three uh, distinct eras. That would have been a good good guess. Yeah. And you too was definitely in consideration. And they were on the list that you sent me. Yeah, that's why I. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be interesting because, A, it's going to be an incredibly short season compared to, to Genesis. Yes. Although I think Load and Reload, they have a good number of songs on albums, don't they? Uh, they do, yeah. But it, it's yeah, technically only three albums, unless we want to do Garage Inc., even though they didn't write any of those songs. It's the covers album. I right. think originals, 90s, but... but... Well, yeah. I mean, so with these, Corey, then, because I'm looking, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, even though I'm not a Metallica fan, I know Enter Sandman, I know Sad Butcher, I know The Unforgiven, I know no, Nothing Else Matters. I know some of the songs, but that's a 62-minute record. On vinyl, is that, because it's 12 songs, is that a double album? Or did they, it is, did they, yeah. It is, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to probably do the same thing then, where we do, you know, side one is the first three tracks, and then side two is, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I, I have all those albums on vinyl, so we'll split them up by the vinyl uh, track Perfect. listing. So that'll help. Had you picked a, one or three, it would have been four records. But uh, number two is only three records, but it'll still be like, you know, uh, 12 episodes or so. So, Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to this because I don't know. I know the Black Album very well, but I do not know the other two albums very well at all. So this will be interesting for me to uh, to listen. Had you picked number one, I would have known every single song backwards and forwards, you know, from <laughs> well, that part I, of the catalog. I, I tell you what, secretly, I was hoping he wasn't picking number one because they're all so great. But then I thought, well, you know, the discussion then becomes which is better, Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning? Like that in itself is kind of an interesting kind of breakdown because they're both yeah. right, like A and A, uh, you know, like number one A and number one B for greatest Metallica record, right? So there was that aspect. Which one of the two doesn't have Lars Ulrich on it? They all have Lars Ulrich on it. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. When you say Sorry, ears, buddy. I thought maybe they had a different drummer. No, honestly, I mean, this is going to be, I knew Metallica was coming at some point. Um, I'm kind of glad that we're doing it, to be perfectly honest with you. Me and Corey have talked lots about this and, and joked back and forth. I have significant issues with Metallica, definitely. But it's going to be interesting, to because what I'm going to have to do really is say, okay, 
that's a that's a me thing. I don't like the way James Hetfield growls. I don't like that. Right, but I'm gonna have to put that aside and say, okay, well, don't. I can't say that I, I just don't like it. Does it fit the song? Is it a good so if it's a good vocal performance outside me not liking the, the tone or whatever it is? So I did listen to the music and those kinds. Of, so I'm really looking forward to this actually. To be perfectly honest with you, it, it, it's a good that, era. Uh, I, I don't know if he did that d- this much during the, these albums. I and I don't know the second oh, two as did. well, but did he? Yeah, okay. load and reload especially. But there's some gold on those records. I know a lot of Metallica fans will shoot me for that, but some of my favorite Metallica tracks are on those two records. And I kind of thought of it as as you know, Genesis was more your band. And I was kind of coming in 100%. with the progier stuff, right? Metallica, I think, I'm not the biggest Metallica fan. I don't know a ton about them, but I certainly like them a lot more than you do. So I thought, they're, they're, you know, it, it's kind of the mirror opposite of Genesis, right? I'm yeah. coming in with a little bit more of, I love pretty much everything about this era. Let's see what Kevin thinks. And I think you're going to find some gold on these records. Well, like I said to you, I mean, the, the four songs that I know, I'm pretty sure the only four songs I know from these three records are Enter Sandman, Sad But True, Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters. I don't, and they're all from that one record. <laughs> and I've seen some of the other titles, but I don't know them. Um, and I'm also not a metalhead, right? So this is great because in the same yeah. way that you had to listen to, you know, Wind and Wuthering and, and try and pronounce Wind and Wuthering and, and then there were three and, and get, get your head around this kind of prog thing, I'm now going to have to shift gears and listen to something that is outside my wheelhouse. And like I said, I'm, and I know that Metallica was a big production change for the band, if, I'm, if I've got that right, right? Was, they brought a big producer yep. in. Yeah, and also was load, yeah. and re- load and Reload were the same then? Was it the same kind of thing where it was the same, roughly the same production aesthetic, or did they change yeah, that? Well, and that was interesting. Uh, that's still Bob Rock, but what happened there was like uh, uh, Lars Ulrich and uh, Kurt uh, Hammett kind of had more influence uh, on those records. Like even James Hetfield says he's not the biggest fan uh, of those records, even though there's okay. some gold on there. Like, you know, those records have Until It Sleeps and, and King Nothing and Fuel. Like, there's a lot of good songs on there. There, There's some okay. ones that are going to be fun to break down, you know, like, like uh, you know, Two by Four and stuff like that. But okay. her mama said, uh, which is kind of a James Hetfield, uh, you know, ode to his mother. Uh, so it, it's kind of got that aspect too. But Load and Reload are really shit on a lot by a lot of uh, hardcore Metallica fans. And because I'm not a hardcore Metallica fan, I'm like, I still find a lot on these records that I really like, just melodically and yeah. lyrically. I, I'm really kind of hoping that you kind of appreciate James Hatfield more as a lyricist after listening to these three records. It's entirely because, possible, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he writes some killer lyrics. I just, hmm. you know, my, my favorite, <laughs> just a joke that my favorite Metallica songs are the... Uh, the instrumentals, <laughs> you know, and, and with, the, with the caveat that I, again, I'm, I'm, we're definitely talking about Lars. Um, we're definitely talking, be talking about some of yep. those band yep. dynamics, but I, I just, I can't, I can't, I'm going in really without too much bias, to be honest, because I don't know Lord and Reload at all. I don't know that I've ever heard a single song from either of those. Um, and if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I think the riff from Enter Sandman is a fucking blinder. It's just, it's such a great riff. It's a great intro. Yep. I think musically, I quite like it. It's one of those times where I think Lars actually gets it right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really glad that you know, because you were joking that you were going to throw Metallica at me, but I'm glad. I'm like I said, I'm really glad that we're going to do this because it's going to be it's going to be an experience for me. And you know, I, I, I've known you for a while now, my friend, and I, I think kind of like how I kind of turned around on early Genesis, you know, because you you kind of know like there's going to be some stuff in here that Corey appreciates, and you're 100 yeah. percent right. I think there's some stuff 
in this middle era of, of Metallica. And really, if you would have picked any of the three, I think you would have found some good stuff because there's some good stuff on the later albums. Yeah. Uh, St. Anger, no. We would have ripped the fuck out of that album. If had you had picked number three, St. Anger is just fucking terrible. But uh, Death Magnet is really good. Uh, Hardwired is really good. And the new album, 70, 72 Seasons, I'm a big fan of. And then if cool. you if you had picked one, we would have had Kill Em All, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, and Injustice for All, which is kind of a murderer's row uh, for heavy metal music. They're four almost perfect records. So a quick question for you then, Corey, because I've got to do a little bit of research. I've got to do a bit of listening for this, this season coming up. The documentary, the Metallica documentary, is that yep. from this period? Or is it, I, I've got this feeling that maybe it's the next period. It's the next period, yeah. It's the St. Anger record. Okay. But is it still, it's still would, a great would it, documentary. Would it, give, would it give me context for what I'm going to listen to, do you think? I think so, because they do okay. delve into the history of the band a little bit. Okay. Uh, especially because Jason Newstead kind of came into the band after, you know, during Injustice for All after Cliff Burton died. And and he was kind of, you know, hazed as the new guy and kind of, he leaves the band during that documentary okay. as they're getting ready to record St. Anger. So this is kind of the Jason Newstead period. He was on Injustice for All, even though you can't hear him because they kind of mixed the, the bass right out of the record because they, <laughs> you know, not a real fan of the new guy. Uh, they were so hurting after Cliff Burton that th nah. that was kind of one of the, you know, they hazed them really bad. And it's kind of one of the shitty ways they dealt with it. They they took the bass right out of the record. But uh, well, the Black Album, it's, it's such a, it, there's a great documentary called A Year in the Life of Metallica that covers them recording the Black Album and going on tour for it. And okay. they, they, they went through hell recording that record because Bob Rock was like, I'm not putting up with any of your shit like other producers did and you know and they just clashed the entire time uh, if you're going to watch anything i would watch a year in the life of metallica because it covers the whole black album uh, okay. recording and black album is still one of the most successful uh, heavy metal records of all time it's their most successful album isn't it oh yeah by far yeah. which i was shocked I, I i really thought it would have been master of puppets but it it, it isn't it's the black album and you're yeah. right a year and a half in the life of metallica is an amazing documentary uh it's the first half is the studio and the second half is the tour and mm -hmm. i was blown away by that um they they toured for like two three years on that like it was insane wow but like it, they're the band that went on the freddie mercury tribute concert and said because brian may's like okay you know all these egos who wants to open metallica said we'll open we don't care. We're just happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, we loved Queen. We loved Freddie Mercury. They did a version of Stone Cold Crazy on their covers oh. record. No, it's it's really yeah. good. I like oh. it. But James came out and, and sang Stone Cold Crazy with, with yeah. Queen during the tribute. But they went out there and they, they played Inner Sandman, uh, Nothing Else Matters. And I can't remember the third song, but they, they tore the house down. And like just the perfect opening band, right? Like no ego. You know, we know, you know, Axel and Guns N' Roses, they won't want to go on first. Uh, you know, Extreme doesn't want to go on first. Def Leppard didn't want to go on first. Metallica's like, we'll fucking do it. We don't care. Well, We're I, just happy to and be I don't here. Think, I don't think Metallica were that massive in UK at that time either, right? So I think it was, uh, it was fairly safe for them to do that because... They were know, like the it, biggest it would, band in the world at that time in 92. Like, this album UK, was... Though? Yeah. UK even. Like, they were fucking mm. huge. This album yeah, exploded everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Honestly, and that's the weird thing about this this album and Metallica generally, is I listened to music in 1991. I don't remember. I mean, I, we had, I had one friend in the, he was one of the chefs in the military, which, you know, you got to fucking you treat that with a pinch of salt, pun intended. It was, that was his favorite band. But to me, it was just like, uh, I don't know. I just, I, they never really floated across my, and I was listening to rock. Now, admittedly, I was listening to fucking Bon Goofy and, you know, <laughs> poison to my shame and whatever, but I just never say, but if it's so a question then, Corey, or two questions, I guess Metallica 
that's the one we're going to be guessing the scores on, I'm assuming. Yeah. By that's far. the big yeah, that, Okay. Yeah. And then Injustice for All, that's the one, like you said, with the, because I think that's the one is famous in the rock and the heavy metal community before that bass issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one that I remember. The, the two albums that, you know, when you hear something sounds awful, you just trade the, the sort of the car crash thing. You want to go and hear it. And I remember listening to that one in St. Anger and thinking, wow. The fact that that got out the door sounding like it did, I just don't know how you get past that and listen to, because I'm sure those songs are way, way better live because the bass actually, you can fucking hear it. Because yeah. I remember listening and thinking, oh my God, I, I, this is just unlistenable because it's so poorly mixed. And I think that what I understood from that is, and maybe this is wrong, but that Lars and maybe James sort of had a hand in you know, the engineering and the production of it, where I think that sometimes that's not a good idea, especially, and with all the love in the world, Scott, I think you maybe would agree that I don't think the drummer's always the best. If they're not also a producer, if the drummer's just got an opinion about how things should sound, I don't know whether you should always trust them. <laughs> so. Well, I've listened to interviews with the engineer from the album, and when he yeah. got the notes from Lars of, of him wanting to drop the bass down to almost nothing, he said, I'm not doing that. Yeah. 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 And he nearly walked off, and then he goes, you know what, my job is to give you guys what you want. If that's what you want, I'll mix it that way. And he ended up mixing it that way. I've always said the the two extremes for for examples of mixing albums, best for me would be probably Operation Mindcrime by Queensryche. Uh, right, certainly up yeah. there anyway. And the worst would absolutely be Injustice for All. The sad thing about you not picking one, door number one, is that it would have been the easiest production numbers that you, everything <laughs> just would have been one across the board. Um, but I think you'll find a lot of fun. So I would imagine then the Black Album is the one that you guys can't, is, is the one that you'll discount because of the three, that was the most popular. Well, we're not going to discount it. That's the one we're going to guess what the final yeah. album score is going to be. Oh, right. So, right. Yeah. That's uh, going back to Injustice. I think the thing that saves that is the songs are so good. Like, uh, Blackened is amazing. One yeah. uh, is one of their biggest songs of all time. Harvester of Sorrow, which I got to see him perform in Saskatoon, is such a great tune. Uh, whereas you look at something like St. Anger, where uh, Lars took the snare chain off his snare. <laughs> oh, my and God. It, the, oh, the drums sound atrocious. So bad. But so the, bad. The, songs, the songs are bad, too. There's only maybe a couple of good tunes on that record. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it, it would have got threes across the board, I think, had you picked number three and we had to cover St. Anger. It's that bad. I, I will say I got to see them on the Injustice for All tour at McNichols in Denver, and then I saw them on the Monsters of Rock when they were still on the Injustice for All tour um, at um, what was it, Mile High Stadium? So that was an outdoor, oh, wow, outdoor gig, amazing both times. But I will say when I saw them at McNichols, Queensrÿche was opening for them on the Operation Mindcrime tour. I had never heard of Queensrÿche, and I thought they blew Metallica off the stage. Wow. They were amazing, but they're, they're a great live band when Lars is not insane. <laughs> if you watch him play Call of Cthulhu live, he's, I don't even know if he's sitting down half the time. Oh, he's just, yeah. he doesn't even know where the song's at. He's just hitting stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't wait to hear Kevin's thoughts on Lars Ulrich uh, going into these three records because Load and Reload are very much kind of Lars and Kirk records yeah so. i mean I, <laughs> I, I you know my thoughts about lars ulrich and i've like again i'm gonna have to just put those aside because I, and that's you know we'll talk about this probably when we get to the this, this season um kickoff episode but my one of my main issues with metallica is i don't really like james hetfield and lars ulrich as people and mm. i just there's something about them that just it's a bit clashy with me i don't like that kind of 
oh, we're fucking, we're cool, and we're this. I've never been attracted to the alpha male kind of thing, which I always mm-hmm. get that bit of that vibe from them, which is, you know, completely unfair, maybe, because I'm sure they're they're probably, like, really, really nice, really soft-spoken, really intelligent guys, maybe. But that's just, it's just that thing that sours it a little bit. I don't love Lars Ulrich as a drummer, from what I've heard. But again, I haven't heard a ton, right? So maybe when I get into this, I'm going to get... I'm going to hear, oh, actually, this guy's way, way better than I thought. Or maybe it will be exactly what I thought, and maybe that'll be just a, a good thing for us to talk about. Because, again, we're not, you know, there's, there's bits on in the Genesis catalog where I've said, well, I don't love the lyrics in this, but the music's amazing. Mm-hmm. So the song overall holds up, even though this thing lets it down. And I think maybe that's where I'm going to end up with some of these Metallica songs, maybe. That's very possible. I hope that's the case anyway. I would say it, one thing I, I I love about Metallica is that they're you know, being badass metal guys, they're not afraid to say, Hey, we've all been in therapy. We're in a, we're, we have a band therapist. We've had drug and alcohol problems. We've had this and that, and they're not afraid to share that. They're not afraid to have a breakdown on stage in in front of 60,000 people and say, "Yeah. yeah, I was having a moment, something happened. You know, I, I love that because there's this connotation that if you're a metal band, you have to wear leather, you have to be angry in all your band pictures, you have to be, you know, middle fingers or, yeah. or hate faces or whatever. And I love that they've broken past that stigma. And What's if the, the what, biggest this band in the world can do it, you know, okay, anyone it, can. This here in Metallica though, Scott, I don't know. And again, I don't know if this is right because that's mm-hmm. exactly my sort of vision of Metallica. When I think of Metallica, I think of black t-shirts, black jeans, never smile. They take themselves very seriously and yeah. music is very serious. And I, I just, and I don't, like I said, maybe they got past that. And, you know, again, maybe one of that documentary, maybe they were all fun backstage and it's light and it's, it's, it's energetic and whatnot. So I think, I think what I'm expecting from this season coming is I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of my preconceptions are going to get challenged is what I'm expecting. I would think so. And I, and I think when, when you watch and now when they did the black album, that was before the therapy. I think that was when they got into St. St. Anger, if I'm not mistaken. So you're not okay. going to see a lot of that in the documentary in the year and a half of life in the life of Metallica. But I think if you watch some of the interviews or, or go on YouTube and watch some of the behind the scenes stuff for some of those times or watch that, that doc, the other documentary, I think you're going to see them as people in a different yeah. light. Cool. Yeah. You know, especially James Hetfield, because he's actually uh, going through a lot of stuff uh, in yeah. the uh, documentary, Some Kind of Monster, where he realizes after he kind of chooses to go to Russia to go bear hunting instead of being there for his kid's birthday. And he's like, wait, he gets back and he's like, that, geez, that's fucked up. And that's what kind of drives, you know, one of the things that drives him to rehab. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really kind of focuses on uh, his mental health and his well-being. Uh, to the point where he even like, okay, I can only work this many hours a day. And it becomes a real kind of contentious point within the band where Lars is like, you know, you're only working two to five. If I want to listen to a song with my producer at 530, I'm going to fucking do it. I don't care if you're there or not. And then yeah. they kind of butt heads over that. So really interesting dynamic in that respect as well. Cool. Yeah, this is, I think this is going to be a ton of fun, man. I'm Like I said, I'm really, really looking forward to this. And again, a band that I don't know a lot about either. I know that Dave Mustaine used to be in the band. I know that Cliff Burton mm-hmm. used to be in the band. And Jason Newstead. Newstead. Yep. Is he still in the band or is he? He's not. No, he, he's not he actually okay. left the band uh, right before uh, the uh, St. Anger sessions. Okay. Because well, so he, he wanted is, to go. He's the he wanted to join Voivod. Then. Uh, yes, for all okay. three. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He wanted to go off and do like a, a solo thing or do something with Voivod. And James Hetfield, again, he was kind of mixed up on like alcohol and drugs and whatever. And he's like, no. Uh, you got to stay within the Metallica thing. And Jason's okay. like, well, fuck you. I quit. 
And, and then, you know, it wasn't until after James got sober, he realized that was a healthy thing for Jason to do and fucked up thing that I did. Right. Uh, and so, you know, they've since made advance, but no, this St. Anger's when they bring in uh, Robert Trujillo. So they went from the best bass player in heavy metal history, Cliff Burton, to like the second best bass player in heavy metal history, Jason Newstead, <laughs> to now the next best uh, bass player in heavy metal history, Robert Trujillo. Uh, you know, three like Hall of Fame bass players uh, right. in one career is pretty impressive, but... Yeah. And you can watch his audition on YouTube. It's absolutely amazing. They were blown away yeah. by what he could do. He said, uh, they yeah. said, well, what song do you want to try? And he goes, how about battery? And they're like, you can yeah. play that with your fingers. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I just use fingers. Yeah. And he, and he literally it's in the movie a, too. A four finger technique yeah. for, for picking the string. It's the weirdest thing oh, to watch. Wow. But I, I find, you know, think about this too, from Jason Newstead's standpoint, you're in the biggest band in the fucking world. How how frustrated do you have to be? How long have you been that frustrated that you're just like, fuck this and walk away? Well, and he was like, okay, so Lars went off and had kids. And Kurt went off and got horses. And James went off and had kids. Oh, and, and it, and it, well, yeah, basically, that, that's all he did. And Jason's uh, like, I just want to go do this one thing in my off time. That will never, ever hurt the Metallica machine because it's the biggest machine on the planet at that point. Yeah. Why can't I go do that? And yeah. that's why he left is like, you won't give me that freedom. Like you all like kids. My kid is my music. So if we're not working as Metallica, I want to go do this thing with this, you know, obscure uh, Montreal heavy metal group called Voivod. Oh, okay. And James is like, no, fuck you. You can't do that. It hurts Metallica. And he's like, no, it doesn't. And he just left. So at the bass players, then do you get that sort of thing where they're in the band, but they're not really. It was always kind of that way with Jason. Yeah. Because they oh, loved okay. Cliff so much. And then Cliff died. Uh, yeah. in that horrible accident, right? And they never quite quite accepted Jason Newstead into the fold. They're always so shitty to him. Yeah. He was almost kind of like a hired gun. And at, one of the great things about the documentary is like, we really don't want to make that mistake with the new guy, Robert Trujillo, right? So like, we're just going to pay you a million dollars just for the fuck of it, because you're in the band now. Here's a million bucks. We're yeah. committing to you. It's a four-way vote the whole way through. You're not just a hired gun. You're one of us. So they, they didn't make now. that mistake again. Yeah. I, I guess the answer to that question, though, is like, why would you walk away from that? Is really the, I suppose, once you get to a certain level as a musician and you've kind of done it all, really, to a certain extent, and you've, you've, you've done the stadiums and you've, you've got the Grammys and blah, blah, blah. But do, do you need any more of that? If, you, if you're an artist, if you're actually a, you know, a real artist and you've got some sort of creative capacity, I think mm -hmm. that independence becomes more valuable than just getting up and playing someone else's songs night after night and being maybe treated like a bit of an outsider. So I think, you know, it's not always an easy thing and not everyone does it, but there's lots of times in rock and roll where that's happened, where people said, nah, you know what, I'm out, you know. Look at the police. The police went out at the yeah. absolute apex of their, I mean, they were, again, another, one of the hugest bands in the world on record, in the charts, and, and touring, but they just couldn't get along creatively. So you know what, fuck this, let's just, let's just leave it alone now, you know. Yeah, and I okay. can't wait so, till you guys get to them at some point. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure that's going to be a Kevin choice. I'm not going to ask you, Kevin, who you would have picked here tonight had you had won. But I will ask you, out of like the 25 bands I showed you the other night, was there any one in particular you were kind of hoping I would choose? Oh, Jesus. I can't remember what they were now. Era 2 Metallica. Sure. Have you, got them, have you got them handy that we can look at? So here was the possibles. Yeah, you know, I think... No Thunder? Know, no thunder. No. GNR was a strong contender because I think that's another band that you can really get your teeth into. And I here's think what that's... I was thinking on GNR though was because they're probably going to be releasing a new album w within the next calendar year. So I thought 
they're they're more of like a season four season five type band because but i do definitely want to cover them um extreme would be fun I, I you know honestly i think this is why i'm really excited to be doing metallic i mean you two great the cars would be fantastic um but i'm looking forward to doing a band that i don't know because that's the that's that's where some of the gold lies right it's like okay well you know, I do a Tom Petty Project podcast. I love Tom Petty. I know that catalog inside out. Queen's part of my musical DNA. You know, Genesis I know very, very well. So to get a band that I've got to actually apply what I do on a podcast to a band that I don't know, that's really exciting. So I think, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Cars would have been great. George Satellites, I don't know at all. Um, and some of those bands like Foo Fighters and yeah, I'd even go Poison Skidder, I know pretty well. And Zep, I mean, Zep's going to be great when we get to it, but... Again, that was a Scott Haskin recommendation. Yeah, because yeah, Zeppelin, oh, yeah, that's right. you know. Um, the Beatles, of course, again, I mean, I, and the problem with the Beatles, again, you come into that, and I just know every single song that they ever wrote and recorded and put out, like the back of my hand, so I don't know how easy it's going to be for me to go back and listen to it critically, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, ACDC is one that I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm less keen to do. I mean, maybe Bon Scott would be the of the two because brian johnson here acdc it's very 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 similar yeah so it's going to be difficult to say different things because how how different is it you know um cinderella would be a band i'd be super interested in because i know i know that castle and i fucking love tom Kiefer. we've talked about that Corey. Mm-hmm. um and zz top of course we're going to get to it at some point um yeah lots of them i would like to have done but i'm very glad that we got metallica very interesting. Well, I'm, I'm excited to, to want to keep listening to the show. And we should say to people too who are listening or anyone else who is listening that Scott's been a fantastic supporter uh, of our show and our efforts and genuinely sort of gives us back lots of great feedback. Um, and we do massively appreciate that, Scott, because I know that Corey and, and, and I both respect you as a musician, as a podcaster, as a creative fucking whirlwind um, of myriad fucking talent. So thank you so much thank for you. listening. Um, and thanks yeah. for coming on and, and helping us with this because it's always a lot of fun when we ever, whenever I get to do any sort of podcast with you, it's always a, an absolute blast. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've had an absolute blast. I've loved every episode of the show. Um, I didn't know a lot of the older Genesis albums, so I got to learn a lot. Uh, I don't know two of the Metallica albums you're going to be covering very well, so I'm going to learn a lot. I'm curious to, to see um, how you really dissect the songs for the black album the ones that i know really well i think it's going to be a very interesting season will you come back and adjudicate season two absolutely and remember to send me your your choices when you have them i'm already thinking what's the number what's the number i am so fucked on this one because i just don't know (laughs) it's literally (laughs) gonna be guess a number around in the sort of mid to high 80s i think probably (laughs) well i i think i think you do like you guys sent me numbers really early yeah mm-hmm. i think it it might behoove you kevin to wait a little bit and and just kind of like get a lay of the land since you don't know the band that well and really really see how you feel because you're right i mean you could just pick whatever and whatever yeah. number and it's not going to have any significance yeah. to anything but look at how close you guys were on genesis you were literally one point percent yeah. apart yeah but we we so, got it we, we kind of have to pick them early though because it's the first album right so we can't we can't get to the end because then we'll know that we'll know the percentage so but what i'm what i'm going to do is i'm going to listen to the albums ahead of recording just to just to mm-hmm. get myself roughly grounded or really mm-hmm. i mean we're only talking about one album that we've got a guess on so I'll listen to it and I, 
again, like you, you said, Corey, about me, I, I think I know your musical taste well enough that I can probably guess roughly what I think you're going to guess and then try and make some approximation about what I think where I'm going to land. Um, I, I think we're going to be pretty bloody close again. I think I've got, I wonder about, it'll be interesting to see once we've done sort of five, six seasons of this, how close the averages are for the best album. Cause I'll bet mm. you what, until you get into like a revolver or a, like, like one of those perfect, perfect albums, mm-hmm. we're probably going to be in that high eighties range there and thereabouts for a lot of these, these albums, you know? Yeah. Very true. Very possibly. And, and of course, Revolver has the uh, the song with the longest riff in history, Andrew Bird Can Sing, which is like 30% of the song. So amazing. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, though. Yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for uh, having me be part of your secret ballot. Okay, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, join us again next week when we will be looking at side one of the Black Album, or is it called Metallica? That's right. What's the we name of the both. album? It's, it's, it's just it, like the Beatles, the White Album. Yeah, it, it's it's okay. self-titled, but everybody refers to it as the Black Album. So. Okay, come check us out on social media at Ultimate Catalog Clash on Facebook and You Catalog Clash on Twitter. Um, we're still not on Threads, Corey, but I'm working on it. Uh, check out okay. my other shows, The Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review. If you want to find me on Twitter personally, I am at Kev Brown Canada. Before I ask you, Corey Scott Haskin, where can the people find you? Oh my God. Uh, well, I'm everywhere. I'm at uh, Instagram at Uriah Heat Podcast and also Mental Sauna and also Haskin Cast Podcast, or I think it's just, yeah, Haskin Cast Podcast. Uh, but mainly everything is for me, the hub is my website at scotthaskin.com. Corey, what about you? You've only got about 16 or 17 of the podcasts. Tell the people what they are. I tell you what, I- I'm going to share this real quick because I'm very excited. This is Metallica from the Black Album, Kevin. This is a little track called Wherever I May Roam. You'll be listening to this very soon, my friend. Is this the tea party? Is this like a cover version? Or? Oh, I can't wait till next week. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter, at CD Morissette. Uh, come tell me how much you love Metallica, because I do too. We're going to convert Kevin Brown. You just wait. Oh, listen to that. Come on, man. We're going to have a good time, my friend. I can't believe I won. I'm not surprised. I'm that much better than you. I'm going to win season two as well. And we'll do another era of Metallica probably, but. <laughs> oh, no. I think this was the fun all along. I think I've been duped since just doing a Metallica podcast. How did this happen? <laughs> there is no Metallica podcast currently on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. So we're going to kind of fill that void a little bit and cover three of their records. Fantastic. Okay, well, until next week, folks, when I have to just jump into this band that I don't really know um, and have a lot of preconceptions about, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you later. 